Hey, 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 everybody. This is Tyler. This is Danny. And this is the Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. And today we have a special guest. Yeah, we do. And he was about to say something and I cut him <laughs> off. But that's because I wanted to say that we had a special fucking guest first. Isaiah, welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah. Just uh, excited to talk about the movies and watch you guys get stoned. All right. Yeah. Well, we're going to, and that is how we tend to start the show. So that's what we'll get to right now in our green hits. Danny, what is this, Jay, that you brought for me today that I'm about to actually start on my green hits for like the first time in like 20 episodes? Most of the time, we're already like halfway through a fucking Jay when we start these. I usually know how it goes. So would you be surprised if I told you I brought over a strain that we've brought over more than any other strain on the show? Then I'm really glad that you're going to be able to throw out the information for both of us because I'm pretty sure it's going to be the same thing that yeah. I brought today. I was like, well, you know what? I wanted to bring over a, uh, a True Blue once again, something that's trusty, something that's a crowd favorite. So I brought over Montana Silvertip, the crowd favorite over here. <laughs> so with that being said, for those of the uninitiated, Montana Silvertip is a cross using Granddaddy Perp and Super Silver Haze. And with that being said, some of the THC numbers can get up in the 20 you know, percentile range. The one over flower comes in at about 26.2% on the total cannabinoids. With the total terpenes coming in at about 1.76, most of that being comprised of such terpenes as uh, limonene. You'll get some of the pinene, also some of the humulene, karyophyllene, some traces of linalool, stuff like that. So it's got some nice like little mellow notes in there as well. I brought the same fucking thing, so I don't have to go through this. Thank you, Danny, for making my job easy today. And we'd like to remind everybody to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms. At the lowest level, you could have been listening to this last week. Highest level, you have access to the Discord. Middle level, you have access to our Patreon-only episodes, where mostly we have been going back through our old catalog, re-watching some of these movies that we haven't seen in wow, six or years. more years now at this point. What's our next up? Number 20, if I'm not mistaken, is Tucker and Dale. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. All right. Ooh, that's I'm a good one. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad that you've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. Uh, a? <laughs> a? A? Yeah. It was uh, from my old buddy roommate. Watched it. Uh, was not expecting to be what it was. Just from the cover, I was expecting it to be more of like a, a horror, horror movie. Right. Um, and not the. And not like a, like a. Which horror comedy, it's like horror comedy, but yeah, it was it was great, especially with um, oh, what's his name, Alan Tudyk? Is that his name? Tudyk. Yeah. Not just one, but two, but two. Yeah, that was a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. I laughed so hard during that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, watching it again, and uh, you know. Because it fits better now before we get into any of our official sections of the podcast. Isaiah, since this is your first time on the show, what is your history with horror movies? Not to be like, you're not a true fan. Just like, <laughs> we're, we're here because we like them. So, like, exactly. Everybody yeah. has an origin story. Right, right. I would say overall, like, I'm not a... I would say horror is probably not the first genre I would jump into as far as watching a movie. But um, I've watched, like, a few classics back in the day. Like, I remember probably one of my earliest memories was watching, say, Halloween with Michael Myers. Um, okay. That one definitely scared the shit out of me mm. as a kid. I remember watching the original few of those, and that was, like, the first movie where, like, I was genuinely, I think I must have been, like, middle school. I was genuinely terrified. Like, I, for whatever reason, went to bed on the couch in my living room and like I couldn't go to sleep for several hours because I literally thought that like Michael Myers was around the corner with his terrifying mask just out to get me. Update, he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm sorry oh, to have man. to break it to you now. He Shit. was. No, oh, damn it. <laughs> there were people dying all over the place. You were kept nice and insulated. Okay. But now to break your bubble, anybody you never saw again, that's why. Shit. Damn it, Michael Myers. He knows. <laughs> and then, other than that... Update, he's still after you. Yeah, fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shit, what else? Leprechaun. Leprechaun movies with Warwick okay. Davis. Um, Hell yeah. I've seen a few of those. Those are 
I genuinely love watching those, particularly during St. Patrick's Day. Okay. You now it's kind that of cliche. Sense. Well, yeah, those were kind of terrifying as I was younger, but nowadays, like, I just, they're great fun to watch, you know, any time of, any time of year. And then Scream. Nice. You know, that's a popular one. And then, like, a few, there's a few, like, indie horror movies that I've seen. Uh, I don't recall the names of at all, but, yeah, just not a, not a whole lot. It's okay. Not a whole lot, yeah. I'd say more than most. <laughs> so some good okay. ones. Some good ones. At least you're not sitting there. You're not like, yeah, I love horror. I've watched all the Conjuring. I was gonna say that fifteen like, times. I am a Blumhouse addict. It's like, okay, good on you. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I was about to say we're, we're saying that like we get down on those people. We we're we're no, those I mean, people. We, we watch Blumhouse <laughs> films too. Come on. We are those people. We are sometimes. We can be. I guess with that, let's get into the guts and bolts of the ritual. Guts and bolts. All right, guts and bolts. Who and what went into the making of this movie? Spoiler free for now. We'll get to those later. The setup, in case you don't know what the fuck the ritual's about. A group of friends go off into the Nordic woods and paganism happens. No, you know what? That's that's not quite fair to what this movie is. <laughs> Ancient gods happen. Yeah, that's probably more apt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. And, well, you know, of course, we like to talk about the cast and crew from week to week. And this week we've got some really cool people. Uh, not a huge cast, which is going to be all right as far as the credits go. But I'm going to lead off with our director. And that gentleman is David Bruckner. And a few things of note, because he's actually done some really cool things. He's actually done a lot of segments for films which include the segment Crazy in Love for the film The Signal. He's also done the Amateur Night segment for VHS. We still need to watch VHS. I keep hearing good things about VHS. I know, and we they're still, still doing VHS. more and more, which is really cool. All right, speaking of segments, he's also done the Accident segment in the film Southbound. He's also known for the film The Night House, the more recent Hellraiser. Fucking great. Yeah, I was like, oh. I think he's getting the sequel based off how well it did, but I'm not positive on that. Oh, we'll see. I hope so, for his sake. All right. He's also done the total copy segment for VHS 1985. All right. We've got a couple of different writers on this. We have Adam Neville, which the film was based on his novel of the same name, and Joe Barton, who's a gentleman who's helped on such projects as My Days of Mercy. He's also helped on the film Encounter. There's a television series called Giri Haji which was from 2019. He's also helped on the Lazarus Project, which I believe is a creator on, if I'm not mistaken, which is uh, still running, which has started last mm. year and is still concurrently running. He's also known for The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself, which is a television show from last year. All right, we have cinematographer on this. This is Andrew Schulkind. A few things of note from him. He also helped on Southbound. He also helped on the movie The Vault. And this is a gentleman who's got a shit ton of music videos, a couple I wanted to bring up because some of them are kind of funny. One of them includes the music video for Mandy Moore's Extraordinary. Okay. <laughs> All right. He helped on Train's Hey, a Soul Sister. No shit. Really? Uh -huh. Oh, my gosh. Counting Crows, You Can Count On Me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's see here. They were just in town a couple weeks back, right? Yeah. He's also helped on Train's Cadillac, Cadillac, Neo's Friend Like Me. Oh, wow. Some Neo. Mm-hmm. All right. Just a few other I'm looking through here. Jordan Smith, I'm not familiar with them. Wait, Neo... Neo, friend like me. Did Neo do friend like me for like the new Aladdin? Uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, Ross Lynch heard it on the radio. So yeah, some cool shit there. All right, moving forward, we've got editor Mark Towns. A few projects I've known from him. He's known for the film Monsoon. He helped edit the film Saint Maud. Speaking of distributors, A24. He's also we helped. We still need on, to do that. Yeah. And so we need to get Patrick, Patrick on. Yeah. Because he's been whining at us about it. I finally watched it because I do own it. So <laughs> got that out of the way. All right. He's known for the film Eve. He also helped on Censor and the film Night Ride. All right. We have music composed by Ben Lovett. A few things of note from him. He helped on the film The Signal. He was the music for The Night House. He also helped on The Wolf of Snow Hollow and Hellraiser. All right. A couple different special effects teams on this. We have Invis, who helped with the visual effects. Imaginarium Studios, they help with the visual and motion capture. And we also have Russell FX, they help with the prosthetics on this. 
This was produced by Jonathan Cavendish and Richard Holmes. Production companies on this were Entertainment One and Imaginarian Productions. The distributor being Entertainment One, they helped with the 2017 United Kingdom theatrical release and Netflix with the 2017 United States video on demand release. Two different dates for release dates. We got September 8th, 2017 at the Toronto International Film Festival in Canada and October 13th, 2017 in the UK. And I don't have a budget as far as this go, but I do have a gross and the worldwide gross, depending on what source you use, it can be anywhere between 1.3 to about 1.78, million worldwide. Right, so moving into the cast, like I said, we don't have a very extensive cast, but pretty cool credits nonetheless. So I'm going to lead off with Rafe Spall, actually a guy we've talked about before. He plays the role of Luke. I felt really bad when I realized it was Rafe because at first I saw him and I was like, Patty Considine, never mind, it's the other one. He kind of does look like Patty Considine, doesn't he? Rafe, we talked about him like, on episode. Never mind, it's the other one from Hot Fuzz. Yeah, <laughs> which is funny because they do favor each other, but... No, we talked about Rafe back on episode 115 when we talked about Shaun of the Dead, which that's hard to believe that was episode 115. That's crazy. All right, a few things of note outside of that because he's got some really cool credits. He's appeared in such things as Cadulthood from 2006. He was in the film A Good Year back in 2006 as well. He was in Prometheus from 2012. He was in The Life of Pi also from 2012. The World's End, The Big Short, The BFG, he was also in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. He was in Pete vs. Life from 2010 through 2011. He was also in these television series The Shadow Line and Black Mirror. He also appeared in Men in Black International, that is, from 2019. And more recently, he was in the Apple TV Plus comedy series Trying. So he's got some really cool credits to his name. All right, moving forward, we have Arshar Ali plays the role of Phil. Phil, I know, Tyler, you watched not too long ago. He was in yeah bro he's in four lions and you're you're looking intrigued at me isaiah so i'm going to tell you right now everybody in the world needs to watch four lions however mm -hmm. it is the darkest comedy i have ever seen in my life due to its subject matter okay you've uh definitely got me intrigued for sure it is a mockumentary that follows Ooh. four extremist muslim men in London as they basically try to become terrorists. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh I'm definitely in for that, for sure. <laughs> and it, here's here's the caveat. As far as I could tell when watching through it, it does it completely without being Islamophobic. Okay. Yeah. Okay, interesting. It's all about making fun of the fact that they're extremists, not what like the actual Not religion they're fighting. Right, right, yeah. Okay. That's awesome. No, I've heard good things, man. I've been wanting to watch it for it's a while. It's amazing. It's so fucking funny. It, it's still <laughs> on my radar. I'll, I'll get to it. All right. A few other things outside uh, for Lions from Archer. He was also in the television series Beaver Falls from 2011 through 2012. He was in, I believe, two episodes of Doctor Who. Maybe it was a continuation of an episode, but back in 2015, he was in Under the Lake and Before the Flood. All right, we also have him in Ackley Bridge from 2017 through 2018. All right, we've got Robert James Collier, plays Hutch. A few things of note from him. He was in the film Christmas Star. I think a lot of people will probably recognize him in Coronation Street because he was in that from 2006 through 2008. He was also in Downton Abbey from 2010 through 2015, and he also appeared in Ackley Bridge from 2019 through 2022. All right, we've got Sam Troughton, plays the role of Dom. All right, so with that being said, a few things of note from him. He was in Alien vs. Predator. He was in Vera Drake. You might have seen him in Slumber. He was a part of the Robin Hood television series from 2006 through 2009, and he was also in the television series Chernobyl back in 2019. We should also point out that he's kind of weirdly British royalty because uh -huh. he's the grandson of the second Doctor. That's pretty cool. I did not know that. And, like, it's Doctor Who, so... Yeah, I know which Doctor you're talking about. <laughs> I thought he was going to say Dr. Pibb for a second. Dr. Pibb. <laughs> All right, we've got Paul Reed, plays the role of Robert. A few things of note from him, he was in Boy Eats Girl. He was in Raw, the television series, <laughs> from like, 2010 what? through 11. I know, I was like, what the fuck? Where, where was he at? I, no, it's not the same Raw. Did he get at? <laughs> I know, right? 
And the last thing I got him in is, you are not my mother. So there's a few other people of note. They mostly are in like little character roles. So I didn't really get, want to give them credit for that because it's mostly like UK television shows that we probably have never seen. <laughs> so with that being said, that rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup. Should give our listeners some warnings. Like there's some pretty good blood and gore. And yeah, there's language. Minor spoiler uh, creatures. Yeah, that's disturbing imagery. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, yeah, just a weird mythological stuff. Know, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, I yeah. was not expecting at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, language, blood, and gore. We already covered that bit. A little bit of nudity with one character, but you don't really see anything. Mm. That's good enough. I think so. It's called the ritual. You know what you're getting into. Yeah. Well, you don't. Like, there's not, not much really. of a ritual in this, but we, yeah. we'll talk about that more in. Uh, in a couple minutes as we get into how the ritual made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, the ritual. I finally got to see it. It's been on my radar since it dropped. Danny, you saw it before, right? I've only seen it once before. Once before? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And Isaiah, your first time? Yeah, first time. First time. I know that we were going into it with certain expectations because this ends up, well, you've seen it before, but Mm -hmm. it also ends up on every folk horror list. Especially since it came out recent. Yeah. But I guess what's more interesting to me is what was your experience like, Isaiah? Because like Uh, we're, we're, our experience is going to be a little bit different. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh yeah. I think we were grading it on a little bit different of a curve. Right, yeah, I wasn't really, like, grading it for a sentence, but I was, it was not quite what I was expecting, at least for, like, the second half okay. of it. You know, it was kind of like, you know, gradually getting into it, like, setting up, all right, these these four friends look to be in their 30s or 40s, you know, where, you know, they're, they decided, you know, let's just go on, like, a random hiking trip, one of them suggests. And... You know, all right, like they're going to these woods, going on a hiking trip, which, by the way, they were, just from my experience, they were a bit incompetent when it comes to hiking. Um, There was a lot of... That doesn't surprise me one bit. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Just in, in several scenarios, like they were not experienced, not equipped, left their shit like halfway through due to this thing. But I was scared here and there, bits of it. What got you? What got me was... This is the spoiler section now, too, so we can get into it, too. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, yeah, hold the punches. Yeah. Just to warn anybody out there, like... Yeah. You know what spoiler you're getting alert. into. Yeah, you know what you're getting into. Frank. I would say what, what got me was, like, the, the, the goriness of... Mm. Who, whoever kind of like got killed by the creature, you know, when they were, um, when they got caught by the creature, taken up into the trees and just gutted from head mm-hmm. to toe. Um, that was kind of, that was a bit cringy. And then just like the look of the creature, like at the end of it, I mean, when, when you first got a good look at the creature and what it was, that was not what I was expecting at all. Cause I was expecting like a, you know, like kind of like a smaller thing that was because it was it was suggested that it was up in the trees. So you wouldn't expect mm. like something that was like a huge Massive. fucking thing. Yeah, you're you know, expecting that, it to be like crawling yeah, around creepy or something. crawling thing that was like quick. And I mean, it was quick and agile, but. And at know, one point you do see like the human hand and stuff. Yeah, so like, that, that really it was it was almost like a it was it was stereotypical of like a mythological creature. But on the front of it, it had like a a weird body thing hanging off it that had like its own arms and legs mm-hmm. yet it was part of the creature itself. Um, yeah, no it's, not, it's it's like a conglomeration of uh different yeah, you know, it's not just one thing, it's several. Right. Like a, a hybrid chimera or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else? I would say as far as like the interaction between the four friends, it, it was uh like their kind of like very like shaky, loose friendship where a couple of them were like at each other's throats. And then another one was like kind of trying to be like the voice of reason for them. Trying to like guide them through like, all right, like 
nobody freak the fuck out. You know, we're going to get through this. All right, this is just in, this is just a nightmare. We're going to get through this to the end. And yet, lo and behold, it was not, not the case. Not the case. <laughs> All right. So, Danny, hmm? how come, the, the question I have now is, how come this movie doesn't get brought up more often with Cosmicore? That's a good point, man. Because this is Lovecraftian, right? There are definitely elements of that, and it started making me think that too with a couple of different things. Couple but different more things. in the sense of like the the creature is obviously based on Shubnagurath and or Nyarlathotep and or things of that nature. Yeah. Yaunda, mm. which right. is from a Clark Ashton Smith story that's set in the Cthulhu mythos. Yeah, but, I I feel like it's it's it feels like it's a combination of of both of those things, like. The Lovecraftian side of cosmic horror, and also you know that you're dealing with the fun. Norse, right? Yeah. So you're, it's like, it's teetering that line, but I feel like it, it ultimately falls back on that folk horror because of the mythology with Norse, you know, that kind of stuff. It's not enough of either one of the genres, to be honest. I was a little bit disappointed with how folk horror it was, mm -hmm. but it, it's not not folk horror. No, that's what I'm getting at. It's uh, to me, I'm, I think. I'm kind of disappointed with how much cosmic horror it is, but it's not yeah. not cosmic horror. But I I kind of get it for, in a sense why it also it has to lean into that because this thing is a god in a sense. What else? What else is it coming from? Mm -hmm. From the abyss, I'm, from the unknown. Let's put it that way. So it, it would fall ultimately in that cosmic horror subgenre as well. So we're coming in with a bunch of preconceived notions. Isaiah, the creature. For you, is it basically, is it what they said in the movie? Is it just Loki's kid? Yeah. Loki uh, yeah, they, yeah, they said, they, yeah, they said something along the lines of, of, yeah, just being Loki's kid. And I didn't even think about, like, it being cosmic horror in any sense, which is an interesting thing that you guys brought up. Um, but now that you, you talked about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, what little I know of cosmic horror, I guess I could kind of, like, thread those pieces and be like, oh, yeah, there is a bit of that in there. But for the most part, it's all based on the the mythos of Norse mythology, mm -hmm. um, and like what, like I said, what little I know of it, you know, I was I was like, okay, I was just kind of like in the seat along for the ride of, you know, like okay, like this is this is what it is. No, yeah, well, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> we've we've talked about this a little bit, I believe, with Troll Hunter, like the giants, oh, trolls, yeah. Jotnar, the Jotun, Jotun. yeah, things like that. So I mean, that's kind of what. This creature falls underneath. Well, Jotun. Um, yeah. So, yeah, because it's not it's not necessarily based on quote unquote real mythology. Right. It's a kind of a loose interpretation of of another figure because of the way that this character's involvement with Loki and and those figures is not not accurate. Right. And it, it's it's not wrong because. The movie no, doesn't. Right. The it's, movie doesn't go into enough explanation. It doesn't. It doesn't right. go into so, all that expo. Yeah. As far as the movie's concerned, yes, it's just one of the Jotun. It's a bastard offspring of Loki, whatever that might mean. Right. Right. And exactly. it just gives no explanation. It just kind of just throws you in there like this is who the creature is. That's all that's you it. need to know. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Yeah. But like, I'm coming in as a hardcore Lovecraft fan. Me and Danny together have covered yeah. a bunch of different cosmic horror, folk horrors. Absolutely, this is folk, but like, like, is it like it's a creature that induces madness just from looking upon it? That's a shapeshifter yep. that seems mm -hmm. to be feeding upon otherworldly means, and its mere existence has driven the existence of a cult to form around it. Yeah, which is kind of just tried and true Lovecraft. Like, almost yeah. every Lovecraft creature, it's like. You, it induces madness to look upon it, and it's really just a being from beyond. Not exactly. necessarily extraterrestrial, but more like extra-dimensional. Precisely. Which, okay. like, when I watch this movie, and they're like, well, it's a Jotun, and it's one of Loki's offspring. Like, well, I, I just like, well, Loki's just an elder god. You don't have any better way to explain it than, than calling it Loki, because the mythology was already in place. And this is essentially like the equivalent of like the star spawn of Cthulhu or it's one of uh, Shebnagurath's offspring or something. 
Yeah, it's in a sense, it's kind of like a blanket kind of term to give you a generalization of what the heck you're dealing with. But I mean, that that's a, I guess in this scenario, that's about as much as you need. Because for me, the way I looked at it, in a sense, was like, all right, they're talking about going to King's Trail, because to Sweden and Norway, and I'm like, all right, my mind's already in that whole Norse mythology, and with Sweden too, in general, you start getting into the folk horror, which we're more familiar with, like with Midsommar and those kind of films, you know, and that that sense, uh, which you were kind of alluding to with more like the pagan rituals, right? Whereas this does, but it, it leans more into like the runes. And there's there's a weird thing with folk horror that we've brought up before is that it's kind of two different genres because there's folk horror as in like the tropes that you follow mm-hmm. that were laid out by the big three of folk horror, uh, Devil Rides Out, Wicker Man, and... The Blood On. Uh, Blood on Satan's Claw. And there's a ton of movies that are folk horror because they follow the blueprint that those three movies set out because those are, those are the big three. Yeah. There's also movies that are folk horror because they're horror that are based on folk stuff. <laughs> exactly. So, oh, okay. so ergo, I guess by default, if you will, it is folk horror, but it falls under like, like it's you were a saying, little like a bit of both. Like a, yeah. Yeah. It's like depending will which specific folk horror are we talking about here? Well, for like which country? Because you know each country has their own kind of like slant on a tell that may have something in common with other countries or other nations. Just a variation of the tell, just kind of unique in its own right. And so yeah, so this is folky in the sense that it is, it's doing its own adaptation of something mentioned in folk tales. No Jotun are described as looking like this no. <laughs> or having these kind of powers. Arguably, some of them could probably cast glamours. Yeah, but that's... But that's not the same as you're looking upon them and reliving your worst fear or something along those it lines. It started making me think of the Mind Flayer. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, man, this is... It is falling more into that cosmic horror side because of the madness aspect of it. And that's like, yeah, that's where it kind of starts to deviate from the folk horror. But it's also kind of big three folk horror because of the cult aspect. Without a doubt. And how when you start paying attention to the details, these guys were fucked from the minute they landed in this area. They were being herded back towards that town. They were Once they were in that area, they were never going to be like Oh, that out. was already it said and done. Yeah. It was a done deal. Okay. Which is very classic folk horror-ish. That is very Wicker Man. That is yeah. very Devil Rides Out, that sort of shit. It is. It's like, yeah, once you enter into this unknown territory, it's like you're, you're pretty much fodder for the locals. They, they just have too much control. Yeah, yeah you're, you're game at that point. And you don't realize it till it's too late. Yeah, exactly, when you're already strung up in the trees. Most yeah, like, yeah. gosh, yeah. That's one of those the trademarks of what we've found of most classic folk horror is that when you actually break down what happens in the movie, it's no there's no surviving. You realize that from the beginning, like this the protagonist was fucked. Right. Yeah. And they they just they haven't realized it until it is too late. The movie is more about unfolding all of the information to realize just what trap that you're inside and what your fate is going to be. All right. Uh, oh, okay. That reminds me of because. One of the later scenes with the guy with the glasses, is that Don? Yeah, Don's Dom. with the glasses. Yeah. So, like, because he mentions, like, when they're in that house, the cold, and he's like, yeah, I had a, I had a night when they were, when they yeah, were, thinking nightmare. back to his yeah. nightmare. He's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I saw the creature, his cold hands on me, you know, taking me away, killing me, and then I saw Gail, my wife, you know, like, this is just, and then after he tells that too, Luke, he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm fucked. I'm dead. Like, I'm not making this out of the out of out of here alive. Like, you have to go on. Like, this just kind of just succumbing to his yeah. own fate." Precisely. So, what I found, I was going to say, this is kind of adding to what you're getting at too, because this is all a part of the picture anyway. Is something I think the second time through, and I've alluded this to you before you even came on, is. Sometimes with things like that, when you start seeing like repeating patterns or like you get expo later on in the film that explains something earlier on in the film, it's like, oh, it helps when you see it the second or third time because then it starts to make a little bit more sense. 
being like, for instance, I like the way this film opens up with the guys at the bar. You know, there's a little bit of banter. They're talking about where they want to take their next trip to, et cetera, et cetera. And then Luke and Rob, you know, go to the, the liquor store, all that shit happens. But what happens after that is Luke wakes up out of his tent. So right then and there, he's having his nightmare. So you, that the film's opening is his nightmare. And I was like, you don't know that the first time through because of that cut. But then you realize that's when oh, the creature was close yeah, by. Oh, they were yeah. already fucked when the movie started. The closer he was getting, and they all got the more powerful it could fuck with them. Yeah. And so they they were just on the outskirts, and they would start already working its magic. If you... Yeah, I did know. I you're right. I didn't notice that until the second time I watched it around when there was that immediate cut after his friend died in that liquor store, and then boom, he wakes up, and they're already in the midst of their hike. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's like it's already drawing them closer. Right. Oh, okay. I, I almost want to watch this again with just like my eyes like taped open or something <laughs> because there are definite times that motors in the background. Right. And that's what I like. Other than the like two times that the camera actually pulls your attention right. to it. And I, I like that. I like that. Because what you were saying too is you know, the first time through, it's hard to, to, to know exactly what the hell is in the woods because of the allusions to, like, could it be a human-like figure? Is it, is it a shapeshifter? Is it something more, um, I don't know. For like the record, does, it does is it actually itself? a shapeshifter. I mean, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you get into, like, specifics from the book and shit, like, okay, here's the fucked up thing. Motor is a shape. Oh, its name is Motor. It's not, never actually said in the in the movie right but in the okay. novel right in the novel okay. it's mother but the fun thing is is like moder would be modern pronunciation they would have been using thorn instead of d at the time yeah and so its pronunciation actually would be closer to mother but that's a, a whole different discussion it is a full-on shapeshifter and can appear as however it wants to and it does make sense because of what you were saying too with dom's character saying that he saw his wife but to me, I felt like that was more of it using its 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 mind fucking powers right. on them more yeah. so than it actually shape shifting. Right. But that means it's choosing to look that way. Yeah, that's solid. Which yeah, that's it'd be neat to kind of go back and read the novel just to see what you know some of the subtle differences are. But mm-hmm. those were some of the things I was I were you know was picking up on the next go round. <laughs> that second go through was like, no, once those guys start seeing the runes. You know, they find that cabin in the woods. Like, the, if that's not already a trope as it is. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. Well, and um, fucking Dom has one of the biggest bits of foreshadowing when they find that fucking cabin. He's like, this is the cabin I'm going to die in. Yeah. I mean, he's not lying. because he, Yeah, he's like, uh, guys, like 10 minutes we into should the movie. not go in there. <laughs> I know oh, what. I want to back up real quick. No, Five good. minutes you're into good. the movie, I just want to point out, like, my my thought watching the beginning of this movie for the first time was like, Man, I was young once and wanted to would have wanted to like stick up to somebody too, but like just give them your fucking wedding ring. It's not worth it. Yeah, I, that, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be the hard ass when they're sitting there with a the fucking machete like that. Like, no, it's right? Like, here, yeah, here you go, like, man. your life is worth more than that. You know, piece of metal. I know. Like, I was just sitting there watching that scene. Like, just give them the fucking wedding ring, yeah. man. Yeah, like, you can always get a replacement. Like, <laughs> right? Those those are just possessions, man. Like, you can replace that shit. So. And I get it. It's like ten years ago, I might have been like, "Yeah, I would have tried to fuck him up too. I would have got my ass killed." <laughs> well, that's just like, <laughs> like you don't know until you're actually in that moment, you know? Right? Yeah. Fight or flight kicks in. That's that's interesting that you brought that up because, like, I because obviously the movie goes back to that several times to that moment when when Luke, you know, recalls that memory in the liquor store, and then especially when that when you have that tension amongst the group after that event happens, you know, cause like they're in the woods, they're hiking, they're doing originally Rob's, this is Rob's idea to go on a hike and they're doing that partially in memory of him, but they never, they never really talk about it until that point of when Don, you know, when, when he kind of has that confrontation with Luke and Luke's like, Hey, say what you want to say to me. What do you want to say? And, and, you know, and then Don eventually confronts him. I was like, hey, like, 
why weren't you there? Why didn't you, you know, stick up for Rob and, you know, prevent him from being killed, yeah. essentially? Um, and that was just kind of like an interesting point. And I think that just like you see that, like you see it in at least I did. You see it in Luke's eyes, like the whole way through the movie, like just this, this in the back of his mind of just like just guilty conscience course, throughout the whole yeah. movie. Hence, that's why, you know, that that creature was feeding on him the most because he was the most guilt riddled guy out of the, the entire bunch. So he, he was literally feeding it all its, its food it needed. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, that's exactly what it needed for, for the rest of the guys to be its, its meal or its snack. And that, that brings up another point of, so the, the claw mm. marks on Luke's chest after they all spent that night in that cabin. Right. I had no clue what that meant, even after the first time watching it. It's the second time after I watched it when I picked up on later on in the movie when Dawn gets, you know, when they take Dawn, the cult people take Dawn, you know, to go through the ritual thing. And then the lady, that girl that comes in, she's the only that speaks English, and she's explaining to him, like, why he was essentially the quote-unquote the chosen one because of his pain. And I was like, that, and that clicked in me. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, he was chosen because of the guilt that he carries for not saving his friend. Mm-hmm. And that was, and that's, and that's the reason why, like, he's the one that's kind of, like, you know, singled out and why, you know, his other, exactly. all his other comrades are, you know, fodder. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're just fodder at that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's neat because the movie shows like just enough of how the creature kind of works that you get it and you can yeah. work out this shit because it's feeding on these people. And, but it seems to be like, it's almost like it's for found a perpetual motion machine. Like it uses less energy to keep them alive indefinitely then it gains back from their fucking emotions and belief and all of that nonsense. But it's not a lot more. It's like it's gradually building up this small charge, Mm -hmm. which I think makes sense for how he's able to get away at the end of the movie because he kills all the old believers. And so now that the creature doesn't have that reserve battery going anymore that fucking generator basically precisely right then on his way out it keeps trying to get him to kneel and become one of the new ones again right it arguably has the physicality to just fucking kill him and i think in a lot of other movies it would be kind of a plot hole or kind of like oh he only survives because of plot armor but in this one i think it actually makes sense because He just killed all the believers. It is now desperately needing to find something to grab onto. Otherwise, it's going to die. Not exist. Maybe lay dormant. Because it doesn't have that as powerful. Right. Yeah, because it doesn't have that reserve battery. So, like, if if he if he would have, because he killed all of his, you know, reserve batteries, as in the cult people. Mm -hmm. But and everyone's dead. Essentially, he's the only. As far as we can see. Luke is the only one person left in this forest. Mm-hmm. And so if the creature killed him, the creature would have nothing and it would just die. In a sense. Precisely. So here's the other fun thing. And Isaiah, I don't know if you've seen this movie or not before, but Danny, you're going to get it. Is this movie just the alternate ending for The Descent? That's not a bad way of looking at it. I could definitely see that if that were the case. Yeah. That's That's... A good way of looking at that. In terms yeah, first of off, this movie is just bro descent, right? It kind of is, yeah. I mean, considering, yeah. So uh, The Descent is this movie where this group of females, one dealing with the aftermath of a tragedy, right, decide to go on this deep cavern spelunking trip. Okay. And they run into these underground cannibal troglodyte things and gradually get picked off one by one until there's one survivor on the way out and 
it's a parallel of like this emotional journey yeah. and getting over guilt and basically everything that this movie does with dudes, except it's set in a cave. There's no cult and it's like cannibal humanoids instead. But there are a lot of parallels though between these two films, but there's a way of reading the descent where the creatures don't exist. Mm, that's true. And then and it turns she into goes a real crazy because it's just and all killed in her all mind. Because from the get go, she's shown to be an unreliable narrator who's having problems with emotions and flashbacks yeah. and hallucinations. Which you could say this is the same kind of thing, you know. Like and so from the get go, he's having problems with yeah. hallucinations, flashbacks, guilty conscience, yeah, feeling like his friends are putting all of this onto him. So you could potentially read this as the reason the creature doesn't come out after him in the woods because he was the creature the entire time and he killed all of his fucking friends. Oh, I never read into that. Yeah, well, exactly. It's like, <laughs> in a way, like, all right, can you... I think this, I think this one's issue. a little bit more solid than the, than the Descent. I, I agree, too. I agree, I think too, the Descent, still. the argument is a lot stronger... I don't even think it's the way the descent is supposed to be read, but I think no, it's a it's stronger there. argument that she did it than in this movie. But I think Agreed. it's there. But no, you can. You can totally read that. Because I was thinking that on his way out, right? How the fuck do you explain that to anybody? Like, what just happened? Without sounding like a complete loon. Oh, yeah. This right, is one yeah. of those movies where it doesn't matter that he survived. He's fucked. There's no way to explain what happened. His friends are all dead. dead. He's the only survivor. Right. He's... And he doesn't know where the fuck that was at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, that, that's an interesting thing you brought up because, like, the creature, I, thought, I always thought that was interesting. That kind of, like, kind of plays in nicely with what I was thinking about where the creature stops at the edge of the forest. You know, it can't go out into the light, into the clear land. It needs that. It needs that, you know, that. that it's playground. It's playground, yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. That, yeah. That's its that's his playground. Did that remind you of the endless? Yeah, there's a lot of that. I, I I like that because there are parallels to these other films. Endless creature, this creature, and Black Mountain Side are all like cousins, right? Yeah, and and it made me wonder too, like how much those runes had to play in, like you know, keeping it too at at bay or like just a foreboding. Not necessarily, oh, you know, just like the hey, ones that they were seeing on the trees and yeah, shit. Yeah, like much? hey, don't be going in here, man. You fucking around too much. Well, maybe that those runes were what accidentally summoned the creature in the first place. That's They're it. bringing up a lot of the the fact that the creature is very obviously mm, that's Lovecraftian a good point too. Yeah, that's way. a solid point. And a lot of Lovecraft's dimensional shit has to do with math mm. and just like sacred geometry, sacred like geometry, yeah. non-Euclidean geometry, mm-hmm. and just basically figuring out the wrong math problems and opening whoops, open up like, a dimension yeah <laughs> whoops yeah and then the, drawing the, the wrong shape in the wrong place yeah we've talked about that which mm-hmm. so what if the runes else? basically yeah. did that i could they see accidentally that, yeah. opened a portal basically and that would make sense why this creature appeared in the first place yeah that totally makes sense something else i wanted to mention too and it, it alluded to it a couple of different times in the film as far as fates go not necessarily the guys that were following but people before them who ventured into these woods because they see like an abandoned freaking vw bus whatever the heck it was oh right and then yeah. they find like the they find old, that tent yeah. buried in the ground and so it lets you know like they even talked about the guys who try to develop up until like the 1950s and then they fucked out yeah and it's like yeah. well okay they're giving you enough to where it's like it's not just you know pointless expo it's like nah they're they're alluding to be here they say they're alluding to the fact like there's a reason why this shit halted it's like people were getting picked off i was like we need to get the fuck out of here quit messing around in these woods that's just it too it's like even if we were to tell the local authorities they're like we're not the local authorities are the cold we, yeah we ain't going in there bro <laughs> and be like uh no thanks and if we do you're going with us <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of that kind of stuff so it it does lend its hand right back into that whole, you know, cult, folk horror kind of thing too, because it 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 is on the surface, but uh, there is that cosmic horror too. That it's like I understand why they didn't lean too much into it, but it's definitely there. Yeah, it's there. Mm-hmm. It's like I said though it it feels like it's light on both instances. Yeah, but I still really like the movie. No, I enjoy the the film as well. 
for some of the same reasons you were mentioning too is how it starts you know it's like these guys are you know commemorating their friend's death and all that shit and his wishes to go on this hiking trip okay we get that seen that before it's not until they start like okay duke his knees fucked up okay we've seen that before they find that cabin's like all right but then all that weird shit starts to happen in there and then it's like okay where's it going from here how far are they going to lean into that angle like these guys are all mentally breaking down and it does kind of lean into it, but not too heavy per se. Like they're making those mistakes, but there's a reason they're making the mistakes they're doing. Cause that creature's feeding off on it and is making them do those things. Mm-hmm. You know? So I was like, yeah, it, it's, it does make sense the way it plays out, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's still a fun film. And the, even with the twist, I, I guess if you want to call it that, I'm like finding the village and, but some, I mean, all that stuff, it kind of is, it's already alluded to throughout right. the film. It's neat because it's always there in the background. Right. It's, it's not just, just like a, a surprise. Like, oh, wh- where'd that come from? Most yeah. other folk horrors, the characters are in the village for longer. So you get to see the weird stuff playing on in the background. You get the reveals of like, right, exactly. oh, this mm-hmm. is what they meant when they said this earlier. Or this is why they wouldn't let them go into that room. Yeah. This is, that's all playing out, but they're nowhere near those people exactly. until later on. Yeah, and then it's, like I said, already by then it's just two out of the four. One's already fucked up as is, and the other one's the chosen one. So it's like, well, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of already played itself out in that sense. But you, they even bring it up at a point, and I can't remember which character brings it up, but somebody brings up the point that like the reason they're running into these bodies is because they know where it's good. Like the creature knows where they're going to be. Yeah, it keeps setting them up to be in it's that kind spot. kind of leading them. So to... if you think about the way the movie plays out, the creature is chasing them back to the village the entire time. Mm-hmm. It is. It's kind of like quartering them to it. Right, and that's and that's why, like, because after they wake up... Is it going up, too far it's... in this direction? Kill somebody, put them on a tree, right. then they have to change yeah. and go Change and go direction. that way. Yeah, and that's, and that's kind of the reason why, like... Because when after they all wake up from that cabin first cabin incident and the guy's like hey there's a path leading this way seemingly as if that thing like came out of nowhere i mean i i, I presume that's probably like you know part of what the creature's doing of kind of like making them be like hey let's follow this path towards you know safety and civilization when it's actually he's leading he or she is leading them to that, that village cult yeah that yeah, cult that yeah well i mean in to tie back around to the fact that this is folk horror and like the folklore aspect, it's uh, almost the equivalent, especially when you're in a situation like that, of finding a trail of treats leading up to a witch's house. <laughs> Precisely. Precisely. It follows some of those same guidelines, without a doubt. It's like, oh, we suddenly have this easy path open for us. Let's do that. Yeah, well... <laughs> Oh, look, this is obviously man-made things. Let's follow these into this house. You're right. I mean, they, they've even, they allude to certain things like that. It's like, you know, if they said what if, um, if the scouts, you know, would have called it a shortcut, they would have called it a path instead or something like that, you mm-hmm. know, something like that. So that's just it. It's like, well, this isn't on the map and it's probably for a reason. You know, this isn't a trailhead, dude. Yeah. And so, yeah, once again, once you start putting all of the knowledge together, they're fucked from the get-go. Yeah, and that's that's what I like about this film is the first time through, it's like okay, like yeah, how how did it do these things? How did why did they end up you know? But second time through, third time through, it's like oh, oh yeah, these it was already laid out. It was already laid out before they even got there, really. So, um, in a, so in a sense, like they were kind of like predestined to as soon as they were to walk, cross that tree line into the forest, they were already predestined to. Come across that cabin, wake up, you know, find the ruins, go down that path. Well, you know, here's here's an in- interesting question in a way because you know this is it's super debatable and it's hypothetical anyway, right? Is say for instance their buddy didn't die and they went through that path anyway, do you think it it would have pulled any of them in at all, or would they have diverted? Or I mean, because because it's hypothetical, it's hard to say. So I think it still would have got them because it's such a remote area that it has to feed on whoever it can whenever they get in the area. Mm-hmm. I think the difference would have been homeboy wouldn't have had enough guilt to be marked without a doubt as a potential follower. Right. Follower. And or, that was, I was know, thinking battery, too, was like, basically 
Yeah, because yeah. he wouldn't have had that guilt. Yeah, he wouldn't have had that guilt. Instead, so they, they would all would have just been kicked off. Okay. That's, That's kind of what I was thinking as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, so in that sense, it was already predestined as soon as he made that choice to, to go on that trip, mm-hmm. really, be, be even before he died. So they were going on that trip regardless. Starts to change things. <laughs> yeah. Motor is top 10, top five. That creature is fucking amazing. Oh, I did built. like it. I love everything about that design. Like it's, it's not fun to look at. No, like yeah. it's not a pretty design, but <laughs> but I, I I like what it's what it's doing as far as like the mimicking and and how it's able to incorporate it and still make sense because it's not just it, it's like it's alluded to the fact that it looks like an elk. It's probably just this overgrown size elk kind of like creature. But it, it looks, is. It looks but it's more than that. Historic. It looks mutated. Mm-hmm. It looks supernatural. All at the same time, like it's exactly. not exactly. It's the type of design where you see how it could inspire different recollections of it. Yeah. If somebody, if it was only in shadow and it talked to somebody to say to set up the cult in the first place and they said it was a deer God. Like, okay. Yeah. If if all you see is the silhouette and it's talking to you in the darkness. Yes. It's a deer God. If you say, you know, this shrouded man in black with glowing eyes came out of the darkness to talk to you. Well, if it was far enough back and most of its body was like behind a tree and it just extended its head, Mm -hmm. then it could absolutely do that and appear to you like that as well because of the way that the bottom half of its face works. Yeah, Yeah, it's like I liked when it extended out because it it almost like it showed you how it was unfolding into these different kind of amalgamations of itself. You mm-hmm. know, like you were saying, it can look like a, an elk deer. It can look like a human. It can look like something else. But if somebody also came and was just like, I saw this thing in the woods and I can't describe it. It's just arms and legs and this and that. All those like, fucking trees. Yeah, yeah. It's just this abomination. And it's also that. That's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And that'd be like, yeah, all those things fit the description. And that's just it. It's like, that's why it, it does start to make sense kind of getting back to the beginning a little bit of how different countries can interpret kind of the same thing in their own way, <laughs> you know, uh, it's because of, of how people interpret things. It's subjective. Uh, but they're, they're probably talking about the same fucking thing. God, yeah, it's fucking great. I keep thinking, and that's the one thing I went into this movie knowing what it looked like mm-hmm. because in the circles we run into or run in on, especially online, it's impossible to not see screenshots of the you fucking creature. It. Yeah. It's so much more impressive in motion. It's really cool. I mean, that is something that would be terrifying, dude. I mean, of course it's it's not not some not likely, let's put it that way. It's not likely you'll ever run up on something like that. But if you did, I'd make a big old poopy in my pants. <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, the reason why this movie got greenlit is because it this script is ingenious for having it so that he just experiences flashbacks 90% of the time he looks at the creature. Yeah. Yeah. That saves a lot in what you do. Realize how much money you save just by going to a flashback every time you look at the creature instead of showing that creature. Yeah, exactly. It makes sense. Yeah. But it makes sense for his emotional journey over across the movie and how it's also about him. It's overcoming guilt and finally having the courage at the end to stand up and burn like the fucking that. place down and stand up. Well, here's something that's interesting too. I find in a way is because of, you know, his guilt, but when his buddies are faced with this daunting, you know, they all fold. <laughs> that's kind of like the irony, I guess, if you will, it's like when you are faced with challenges and things like that, a lot of the time these guys are going to fold, you know, and they show that and in a way, I'm not saying that you're going to sit there and beat it up or fight, you know what I mean? But it's like, you didn't have a, a chance. And so those guys, it wasn't fair for them to judge the buddy the way they did. You've kind of alluded to that. It's like, mm-hmm. they weren't there. They didn't know what the fuck was happening. You know, like, yeah, you can say you go in there and beat somebody up or do something. It's like, you didn't end up right next to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like I, I guarantee you, you know, of those, you know, four other friends, I'd say, you know, at least three out of the four, if not four out of the four, would have probably done a similar thing that Luke did. That's kind of what I'm getting at, too. And so that creature kind of, in a way, it kind of exposed them to that. 
And it's like, no, once I once I isolate you, it's like you'll see how vulnerable you are. Right. Yeah, we'll see we'll see how much of a man you are. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's not the same thing, but it, it kind of gives you this sense of like, you know, when you are faced with these odds and these difficulties, it's like, yeah, you're gonna fall under pressure. Sometimes it happens. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's, you know, a superhero. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, it's gonna be like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. You know, when the, and that's okay. It's like, but that's kind of getting away from it. But the whole point being is, I do like what you were saying too, Tyler. Is it takes imagination to tell a story, make it make sense. You know, like I said, not have to rely too much on the creature to give you the spooks. Make it more psychological, and you can repeat this refrain of this guy's nightmare because you get it. You're on this ride with him in terms of his guilt. You know, his buddies are. You know, they're all, they have, they feel a certain way because of the situation and here they are because of it and none of them like being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, they're all in it for the ride. I just want to point out too, cause I, I'm amused by it throughout all of my notes. Dominic is referred to as bitchy bubbles. <laughs> bitchy <laughs> bubbles. That's so funny. <laughs> I do like the banter, you know, cause this shit's funny, man. They, they all have some pretty silver tongues at times. Dude, this was a, this was funnier than I thought it was going to be too. I fucking cracked up when he's just like, I don't know, Dominic. I'm not a fucking bear expert. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, it's true. (laughs) You know, but it it shows you like you can be clever and still be effective too with these kind of tales. Just, you know, you got to have that imagination. Isaiah, has this uh, sparked your interest in seeing more folk horror and or cosmic horror? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm trying to, this whole time that I was, you know, we're talking about this and kind of recalling the two times that I have watched it. Like, I'm trying to think about, like, other similar horror, you know, folk horror movies that I have seen. And I can't say that I've seen much in terms of, like, this specific genre. But, you know, yeah, absolutely. I want to see, you know, I want to diversify and see more of what this genre has to offer. Yeah, it's, awesome. def- it's definitely got me intrigued. I mean, especially when it like involves, you know, with the name, you know, folk, folklore, mythology, like that's that's one aspect that I have a huge passion about. So like tying any sort of, you know, whether it's folk horror or you know, whatever genre you can think of, I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to go into it more. Well, have we got a movie for you and it's called Troll Hunter. Oh my gosh! I I have seen Troll Hunter. I've not seen it, but I've seen trailers for it, and I'm I'm definitely down. I want to watch that for sure. I think it's safe to say, light on the horror aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could such a good movie. So well crafted. It's worth watching. I Uh I highly recommend it. More of like a also Wicker Man, but I mean it's Wicker Man. Yeah. yeah, Oh, if you that's to me that's like a definitive folk horror. To me, it's OG, not Nick Cage. Yeah, oh, I was gonna, yeah, I was yeah, gonna yeah. ask. The I was OG. like, OG, Chris or... <laughs> We talk about Christopher Lee here. Yeah, I mean, Nick Cage is a lot of fun. It I is. I recommend that movie for completely different reasons. I, I want to see both of them, and I, I do realize that it's <laughs> and, and the original one, own... obviously for you know OG, mm-hmm. and then Nick Cage just for good old Nick Cage <laughs> wildness. Yeah, you're gonna get yeah. all the Nick Cage good. <laughs> I agree, but this is. This is uh, slowly, I know we said this before, but slowly becoming one of my favorite subgenres of horror for those reasons. Like it, it explores a lot of really cool concepts that are more cultural, you know, derivative. And uh, yeah, everybody has a story to tell in, in that sense. I have to bring these up. I think I've mentioned them both, but uh, just because we've talked about them so recently. I'm sorry, both Endless and Black Mountain side, this is the superior movie. It is. Because it it's is. kind of both of those movies. It is. Um, I mean, that's not to take too much away from either one of those, but yeah. I do this enjoy those. Superior. No, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised by The Endless. I had heard good things about it, and I felt like Black Mountainside was more like the cousin of that film, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and also like a distant cousin of The Thing, which is fair. You know, it's fair. But yeah, this one in terms of like more folk horror, cosmic derivative horror, yeah, this one's really good. That being said, The Descent still beats this out for me. Yeah, The Descent, I mean, man, you can't go wrong with that film. I don't think you can. It's it's really fucking well-crafted. Even though they're kind of just the same movie. 
yeah i mean people are going to enjoy them for their own merits and that's fair but there are a lot of similarities i mean there's a lot of parallels you've already talked about them but motor (laughs) cool creature yeah definitely top 10 yeah so far so good definitely one of the like wilder weirder creatures i've seen in a in a film it's up there like what is it oh god what's the name of it um the ritual not the ritual the relic oh oh yeah yeah yeah. it's up there with a relic creature for me that was really cool which is another one people don't talk about often enough but kathauga or whatever its name was yeah that was a really cool creature in book i well it has a different name than the book version that's what i once remember again. yeah <laughs> once again because it's like is it kathauga or I, I cannot. or like i couldn't tell you because I, oh, I, I know what you're i know what you're alluding to but i cannot remember the name damn i know we stoners <laughs> that and what the relic was number how long ago did we watch that movie that was, exactly. that was a while back exactly. that's the reason i don't fucking remember it is because we haven't watched it in fucking four years <laughs> uh, we'll get to it <laughs> i don't know i don't i don't have too much more myself about this movie what do you got you guys have any other thoughts that you want to make sure to get out there about the ritual uh i would say i mean speaking to like a little bit of like a few spots of comic relief in the movie the the couple spots that kind of like randomly stuck out to me as far as like laughable was was again towards the end when they're with with the cult and the guy Luke I think after or during when his friend Dom gets taken by the creature and Luke you know breaks his thumb escapes walks up the stairs where he's hearing all this like chanting and grunting going on opens the door and it stops. And it just shows like these seemingly like wooden, like, you know, figurines, you know, all kind of like aligned as if they're like worshiping this one at the end. And then all of a sudden they kind of spring to life and like his reaction and the way that they filmed it was just like, he's like, uh, and then just, just casually just like <laughs> lights them on fire yeah. like one by one and then walks out. You get a fire and you get a fire. <laughs> So that scene <laughs> took me by surprise this morning when I watched it because apparently I got up and took a piss or something when I watched it the first time through. Mm-hmm. I completely missed the fact that he ran into all the old worshippers yeah. and that's where he started the fire. Arguably, yeah. for me, if you're talking about comic relief, is like almost soon after he does that, he bumps into that witch. And punches yes. her in the face, yeah. a la Nick Cage. <laughs> no. So you do it's get like, oh, a little shit. bit, yeah. And that's that seemingly it for her. You get a little old school Wicker Man. You get a little new school. Yeah, right. so you get a little bit of that too. So there is a little bit of that in this film. I was like, man, that is too funny. Oh, that's fucking good. Of course, that had to be from Rafe because he's you know you got look, you got red on you. That's right. That's right. That's right. We are going to finish off that trilogy uh, now that we've that, realized uh, that they are all horror movies. Yeah, I love it, man. Shit, Isaiah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's been fun, man. Like yeah, this is this is what we do. This is how we get down. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I mean, a little bit, you know, this is my first time, obviously, oh, so yeah, a little no, little okay. nervous, not yeah, quite knowing okay. how this works. But you know, I liked it. You know, just kind of an intriguing talk about movies with precisely some stoners. Yeah, that's right. I know way <laughs> too much about some of this shit. <laughs> it, it helps, I think, um, you know, kind of open up the mind for exploration. Right. Yeah. Explore, exploring that mother. That's right. Mother. <laughs> that's a motor. I'd like to. Mother. We, we brought some motor breath over here before. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, it's a shapeshifter. Like, that's a motor I'd like to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I mean,. That would, yeah, Look. That'd, be, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. Fear I mean, motor. if I'm going out, right? Fear motor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a shapeshifter, right? But like it feeds off your fear. Fear I mean, boner. Fear bo- <laughs> yeah, if I'm going to have a fear, that would be it. <laughs> I think that's that's our ritual this time. <laughs> um, next time. Oh, dude, we're getting back old school. That Way old school. Old, old school. Maybe the OG. Once again, I'm not quite positive and would have to actually do research. And yeah. like we do research for this show, but, but I don't we're know not if I'm going to do that much <laughs> Yeah. Um, maybe the OG witch slash folk horror, Hoxon. 
dude. I think it's been a long time coming, not just for the podcast, but just in general. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to finally watch it. Every screen I've seen of it looks fucking gorgeous. Yeah, considering the time period it's, it came out in, yeah, that's going to be awesome. When did it come out in? It's like 19, I want to say 32, I could be wrong, but it's either late 20s, early 30s. It's old. Because I've oh, seen... Maybe even 22, I could be wrong. I've seen The Witch, and that was a phenomenal movie. I loved it. Um, but I had no idea that it was... 1922? Of... Oh, damn. Okay. So it's black and white? Oh, yeah. And it's a no talkie. <laughs> yeah, silent horror essay film. Yeah, and I like it. I think it's in seven parts. So a little spoiler there, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's told. I don't know if it's told in vignettes, but it's yeah. Yeah. It was the most expensive Scandinavian silent film ever made at the time. The time, of course, being 1922, when there haven't been that many films made. <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> It was the most expensive one because it was the only one. <laughs> yeah, that is why it was the most expensive. Yeah, no, uh, super looking forward to that. Also looking forward to the fact that it's only 105 minutes long. I know, I know, that's not too bad. Uh, I think it'll be fun though. You know, it's not our first foray into silent film either. I mean, if it as long as it's not silent in the context of it, it doesn't have music that accompanies it, that's going to be different. Yeah. That'll get old real quickly. Yeah, because then I can really tune out. <laughs> I'm going to have to make my own sound track for it, I suppose. That's for next week. Yeah. For this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And I'm Isaiah. Ride Squirms. Out. Out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top, as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in fried squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace. <laughs>